Hello and welcome to Spot Odds. Uh, I mean, Odd Spots. My name is Ryan Mullen, and this is my podcast. Where I'm talking to people in Odd Spots. On this episode, I talked to Dan Lejoie, and this was a really cool and unique first for me. Where, as a big podcast fan, I've heard episodes like this where the host and guests are meeting for the first time, and that's what this episode was. And it was really cool. Like we kind of said a couple words at the beginning. It was interesting because we weren't trying to say too much because we were trying to wait to, to start recording to really kind of start talking. So it was super cool and interesting to hear someone who has 27 years in improv and hear all the different areas that he's used it in his life. And so I think this is a really, really cool episode and I hope you enjoy I'm here with Dan Lejoie. Dan, where are we? What does it look like? And what are the sounds we might be hearing during this episode? We are at uh, Patty's Pub in Old Ottawa South. Um, it is a old uh, Irish-looking pub. Uh, lots of uh, exposed uh, timber. Uh, we are in a booth right now with a little door that, for fire reasons, we're not actually allowed to close. Uh, the old, nice stained glass with Irish symbols. Uh, uh, on the other side, in the exterior wall, it's actually a garage door that has a pretty good draft coming through it right now. Luckily, we're both wearing sweaters. Yeah, it's a cold night out there. It is a cold Ottawa night. And uh, very dim lighting, uh, sort of has that gas lamp look. Uh, very cozy pub, one of my favorites. Uh, here in the city. The sounds you're hearing uh, would be uh, Merrymakers here in uh, in Ottawa. Merrymakers? Merrymakers. What does that mean? Uh, people looking to have a good have time. Have a merry time, okay. Yeah, they're having a merry time. And uh, you'll hear lots of laughter. And if we're lucky, uh, we might even hear a, uh, a fight. A <laughs> yeah. fight. Uh, someone getting angry about their potatoes being stolen or something like that. It is an Irish pub. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, it's not so it's not the same spelling as Patty's Pub from Always Sunny. That's two D's and this is two T's, but I still this like the idea. This is two T's. Yeah. <laughs> this is owned. Do you want some history on yeah, this place? Yeah, because you know the owner? I know the family. Oh, uh, the whole family. I know the whole family. Uh, and actually, it's an interesting, like, dates back a long way. Cool. Um, Art Hodgins is sort of the patriarch of the, of the, the family that owns it. Okay. Art? And art. Like the visual art. Yeah. Uh, and he, his uh, uh, niece, well, I was a student of mine, and uh, I worked with her, so I kind of knew the family a little bit that way. And then uh, there's a pub just up the road called Quinn's, which is also owned by the family, and I'd frequent that sometimes. Okay. And, uh, one of the brothers, Quinn, uh, would run it, and he was friends with some of my friends. Um, MJ, who runs Patty's. Uh, is dating um, uh, a friend and also my former bartender at my local, close to my place, okay. O'Grady's Outpost. Uh, so I got to know him. And then there's Brandon, who's the younger brother, who I got to know through some fundraising okay. uh, that Crush Improv has done over the past few years. I love them. Also, uh, the, I, I think the best part, not only do they have one of the best pubs in Ottawa, and I mean that sincerely, but also they are the owners and brewers of Ashton Beer. Okay. So they also have Ashton Brew Pub out in, uh, towards like Richmond area. Okay. In Ashton, Ontario. Cool. Yeah. I don't think I've been here before. If I have, maybe once. I'm not sure. Um, so 
this was an interesting most of the other people it's people i know but this is like we're actually meeting for the first time because uh-huh. my mom booked this one for me because you guys work together I, I i started working with your mom this year yeah yeah and she's told me that you make her laugh which is not always the easiest thing <laughs> I, it's uh, my one talent. Yeah. I make people who don't like to laugh, laugh. Sorry, Heather. <laughs> no, she's great. Yeah, she's been a lot of fun to work with this year. How often are you? You're a guidance counselor, right? I'm the gu- a guidance counselor at an alternate school here yeah. in Ottawa. Yeah. And how often are you using your humor when you're guidancing, when you're helping students? Every single day. Every time, yeah. Every day. It's been like since I was very young, humor has been my probably number one tool that i've used to navigate most life get situations. out of situations get into the others yeah yep and even like through dark days humor has been sort of the crutch that i've fallen to to get me through to the the next day type thing so yeah and and so in this role as a guidance counselor dealing with a lot of at-risk kids um i i use humor and i you know not always uh, but it's something that a well-timed, usually self-deprecating mm-hmm. joke, uh, it can be really powerful and helpful with a, with a kid that you're. I bet, you're yeah. With. Yeah, I bet. Um, and so your last name is La Joie. Uh, I know a lot of uh, family names come from either maybe location or uh, career. Where do you think? Would you know the origin of your family I, name? I I do now, sort of. Okay. Um, like, a, I don't know, about a decade ago, I was doing a show and a guy came up to me afterwards and said, you're, so your last name's Lajoie? And I went, yeah, it, it is. And he goes, wow, that's great. My name's uh, Ron Lajoie. I'm like, oh, cool. And there's not a lot of us. And uh, from what he told me, he was actually a professor at Carleton University. Um, that name is an Acadian name. Um so my roots uh, are, are most likely from Prince Edward Island. Okay. Uh, in terms of when we, oh, sorry, where we were okay. in Canada. And it's probably about 300 years we've been in Canada. So we're like an old, old, old Acadian okay. um, uh, family. Also, Le Joie doesn't exist in France, apparently. No, really? <laughs> it was like a, a hyphenated name. So it would have been like, La Joie du Belfoy or La Joie du Desjardins or something like that. Just okay. Like the Happy Gardeners. Or, okay. And so they just cut it because it was too long. Yeah. And so you have Desjardins and you also have La Joie's, but we might actually stem from the same family. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I just picked Desjardins, not that it yeah, was yeah. Desjardins. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I know a little bit about you. Um, I know that you've been doing improv for 25 years. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think now, I think it's like 27 years I've been doing 27 it. years. Oh, sorry. I've been, I've been doing, imp- well, that's okay. The, no, um, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. It, it is. I started, um, I started when I was 15 and I'm 42. So I believe okay. that's 27. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Started when I was 15 um, with Canadian Improv Games. Okay. Uh, at the age of 16, I started working professionally. Um, really yeah how is that possible so in that so that was the summer of 1994 uh i auditioned for a a local company called the pez family okay and we um i got cast with a group of other uh teens and we started performing at a pub called riley's which was on rideau street which was like 
where Cafe de Cuff is now. Okay. Uh, below that. So we had a regular Sunday night show, sorry, Thursday night show there. And then we started performing uh, at the Peel Pub, which uh, is Sir John A's in the market. Okay, yeah. On Sunday nights. Okay. So we did that. We did that for a year. Uh, I was going into my grade 12 year. Uh, sorry, my grade 13 year. And then they wanted us to quit um, high school. And they were going to buy a bus and we were going to do a tour of Canada. Really? And wow. I, I backed out. And yeah. Didn't, didn't do it. There were other issues too um, where we weren't being paid, what we were being promised to be paid. But anyway, amazing, amazing experience. It was a mix of improv and uh, sketch comedy. Okay. So half the show was sketch, half the show was improv. And some of the people that have that were um, like alumni of that have gone on to like some pretty incredible careers. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Smeden, um, who uh, is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, he's uh, actually just finished writing with Schitt's Creek. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, was behind, um, uh, was a writer as well with Mr. D. Okay. Uh, he was on the home show, which was a short lived uh, show on CBC, I think, okay. or CTV with Jessica Holmes, and uh, he was a performer and writer on that. Long, long history. Wicked guy. Uh, Martin Garrow, who's become uh, one of the most successful producers in, and writers in uh, the States. He was behind, well, initially, his first big break was um, Stargate. Okay, and, yeah. And um, he was writing and producing on that. Um, and then this really cool story, something happened to him where he was in LA and ended up meeting with a writer that he didn't know really much about and made some notations on this guy's, uh, first attempt at a screenplay and, uh, doing his favor, uh, his agent a favor by, by doing this. And then like six months later, got a call from his agent saying, did you, when you were going through this, this guy's script, did you make notate? Like, did you make notes on the, uh, and he was, yeah. And he's thinking, oh, I got it done something bad yeah and um it turned out that uh the president of hbo uh had looked at those notes loved them and uh wanted him hired on as the executive producer of board to death okay had uh, ted danson zach alfanakis and um from notes yeah (laughs) and he's done all like la complex currently he's working on blind spot he's the showrunner for blind spot cool wow um, so yeah, a bunch of really cool That's people, old. Vaughn Charlton, Eric Van Wick, Jeff Lawson, uh, Ross cool. Henwood. Uh, there's really neat people that have, that were a part of that group. Awesome. And, yeah. um, and just an amazing experience as a young person to be able to get that many reps. Uh, and so you, uh, so I, I kind of know a little bit of the stand up scene where sometimes you get paid like in the pay what you can shows like five or 10 bucks. Is it, how is it for improv group? Cause there's so many people. So are you all each getting like a five bucks in any shows? Or are you getting paid even like in free drinks? Like or free do you food? mean now or either? Or, yeah. Or, do you know? Yeah. Well, at the for, time where was there anything like that? For or? us at the time. <laughs> so with the Pez family, um, that's not the candy Pez, is it? Yeah. Easy? Yeah. We were named after the, the, the candy Pez. <laughs> uh, we were paid at that time in nachos yeah. and, uh, uh, like, but we were supposed to get paid. Okay. The, the, um, the deal was that they were taking that money that we were supposed to be getting and reinvesting it back into the company to buy better equipment and stuff like that, better mics and lighting. And we just, didn't, that just never happened. Yeah. So it was kind of suspicious. Um, typically now what will happen is, uh, the, the 
the door gets split amongst the performers. Okay, that like it is happening for like for amateur improvisers is what I'm uh, referring to. Well, it depends. Okay, uh, it depends on it, yeah. who the the group like in Ottawa. I would say that. Uh, I mean, there are some amateur improvisers that will get stage time and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, depending usually, on where you are. Yeah, they're usually paying for their stage time, their opportunity to perform. Wow. But with most of the groups here in Ottawa, they're charging cover at the door yeah, and okay. splitting the, the cover. Okay. There's different arrangements for different groups. Crush Improv, we're in a, we're in a different yeah sort of situation yeah i've seen crush one time and it was after a very long week of me traveling and, and i was coming back uh, after this trip it was like a work trip that i had to do and uh my friends had these tickets to crush and i was like guys i'm not gonna want to come out and then i was like i have to go out and tell my friends how this trip was and then we went out so this was the reason we went out and it was a great time at yuck yucks yeah it was, it was yeah it was cool we've got a really cool relationship with yuck yucks that um we're, we're not um we get paid no matter what um, the audience, but since since uh, sort of joining forces with them, uh, it's been awesome. Like big crowds. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's also free publicity where they do a really good job of promoting us. Yeah. And also opening us up to a different audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, improv audiences can be um, uh, nicer. Oh my God! Or forgiving. Oh, oh! If we're gonna talk about the nature of <laughs> it, oh, yeah, oh, okay. completely. I just the improv audiences tend to sort of travel around in the same circles. Oh, okay. So who, the people that would traditionally come see us would also go see Grimprov. Okay. Uh, would also go see uh, Outtake Improv. Like, oh, okay. Going to Yuck Yucks has opened us up to people that had never yeah. like. We'll ask people at the beginning of a show, "Have you ever been to see us?" And a lot haven't. Have you ever been to see an improv show? And a lot haven't. Yeah. So getting that. Um, that uh, that space and that uh, partnership with Yuck Yucks has really broadened who our our fan base is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess oh sorry, no, go I was gonna say the I guess the difference is like you you people even if you don't fully know you kind of know that the things are pre written for stand up. While it's like a, it's so cool to see it just ha happening on the spot and knowing that you're a little bit more is it forgiving or just like amazed at when something so funny happens? You're like wow like. Are, are we? No, the audience. I, I think mean. so. Like I there's think something so. like you're like that just happened right now in front of us, rather than like you took the time to make that bad joke, like that. I think yes. I think that going into an improv show, the audience is automatically more forgiving, for sure. Which I think is also the thing that spooks the shit out of me when it comes to stand up. We have a bit more license to make mistakes, and we're not tied down to a routine that we've pre-ridden, so yeah. we can we can sort of bounce around with it. The audience knows that. That being said, uh, you also don't have anything prepared, and you don't know what you're going to do. Yes, but but in terms of the audience, I think that there are. I think audiences kind of have the permagrin with an improv. Like mm. sometimes that can become strained. Mm -hmm. if, I mean, there's bad improv shows where it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been a part of some of them. I know sure. all about them. But like really good improv uh, is fucking magical. Like mm -hmm. it. It that's some awesome, awesome, awesome shit. Especially if the audience has helped contribute to what they're seeing on stage through mm -hmm. their suggestions. It's a pretty neat um, connection you've got with your audience. And, and I, I love stand-up, and I've got friends that are, are um, uh, pros that have been doing it a long time that are 
that are really good at their craft. I love watching it. I watch all the specials, but there's something special about seeing really good improv at play. Mm-hmm. And I think audiences respond well to that. So I, uh, I don't go out and see as much, but I, I listen to quite a few. I mean, my, my favorite podcast is comedy bang bang mm-hmm. and just getting to in the same way, know that they came in with like some kind of concept and idea, but then know everything else is they're finding it out as they go. And it could be, yeah, pretty amazing and hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool when the like inspiration takes hold, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm not I'm not I I'm not going to get into a, a like a pissing match about stand-up comedians because I have a lot of respect. It's just a different art form, mm-hmm. and it's a different kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm I I have so much respect for the craft of writing and thinking and analysis and timing and delivery and remembering your routine and all of that. That's amazing. What we're doing, we have to be off the cuff funny. Mm-hmm. I'm also more of a character guy. I love playing characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up watching like Second City TV, okay, and, or SCTV, and uh, SNL. I didn't know that's what that stood for. It okay, does. yeah, it okay. Did, yeah, and uh, SNL, um, uh, In Living Color, uh, Four on the Floor, uh, all these great sketch com shows, and my favorite people in all of them were always the guys that played or girls that played the best characters, right? So mm-hmm. um, improv gives you the ability to play a variety of different characters and you're kind yeah. of doing sketch, but but just made up on mm-hmm. the spot. And so I've, uh, I've, I have seen it before where uh, an improviser ask the audience for all to shout out a bunch of things. And that just sounds like a mess. How do you pick out the things when it just sounds like 20 people shouting out nonsense? How do you find the right thing? How do you uh, analyze what's being said? And then so sometimes it's um, there's no magic behind it. Sometimes there's a whole bunch of things said at the exact same time. And you don't actually hear them. Yeah. So you're like slow down. <laughs> okay, you. Uh, so you are kind of um, some people are just louder and get their thing. Yeah. Or you just hear it. You just hear a word that you're like, oh yes, I there's like something. that. I like that. Um, and then in terms of what we do here, then picking that mm-hmm. thing, we're, I like to try and pick things that are different. I, I don't like to pick things that I've heard before mm-hmm. or done before. Um, and then part of that, the art of that is asking good questions of the audience. Mm-hmm. It's kind of boring if you're always asking for like a location, a, give us a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like we do that sometimes. And they do the same things. But it, you're, it, yeah. And then you want something that is going to allow for a scene not to be static. So you want some a suggestion that is going to allow a scene to move forward, that there's going to be action in the scene, conflict in the scene. Mm-hmm. The um, and then and then like for us, for me at least, and I know for Crush, uh, we don't want stuff that's like lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. We'll get like poo, and we'll ignore that. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll get uh, you know people will yell sexist stuff and oh wow yeah and uh, or racist stuff or we tend to st- well most of crush tends to shy away from political stuff I've ventured down that path a few times and mm. I've gotten it's just it's not the right medium for it yeah so we tend to stay away from that type of stuff but we're looking for like fun creative like I think we did ask someone asked just in our last show a a relationship between two people that you don't normally that you don't normally find or something like that, and we got hmm. rival kings. Hmm. It was awesome. It was different. And <laughs> yeah, it became these two sort of like almost like locker room, like where they're they're being you know trying to one up each other, and mm-hmm. and in the end, you know, like one king's whole kingdom has been poisoned 
and is dead and okay. the other guy's <laughs> like well you know let's buy, buy guns be guy buy guns <laughs> that kind of thing and and it, it was fun it was a cool suggestion the audience gave us and we were able to run with that and create a, a fun scene based off that that is cool so you've been around this world so long can you tell me some of the worst and also some best of the troop names like i know they could be pretty funny <laughs> I'd like uh-huh. to start with worst because those are funny, maybe. But then you can throw in a couple nice, positive ones. Like worst, like like my yeah, yeah I've been with. No, no, uh, just the ones that you've heard because you've heard so many. Not even the ones you've been part of. Honestly, I can't think. Of, like I'm gonna Nothing try and think out. of a bad ones, and I kind of also don't want to throw anyone. Uh, oh sure, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I um, guess for me, I don't even think of it as a group of people. I'm just thinking of it as a, a name. We're also like really strangely supportive. And of, yeah, for sure. We, it's well, and just by our nature, mm-hmm. we have like we're like. It's ingrained in me to uh, yes and everyone else. yes and everyone and be a team player and look mm-hmm. at um, I'm just trying to think if there's been bad like I've gone to different festivals and stuff like that um, I feel I feel like there was one and I don't mind throwing them under the bus because they were from the states and it was just like tits and ass or oh, so, yeah. and they were from where the oh, fuck I don't know they were like upper state New York or okay. Massachusetts or something. Some of the best ones, yeah. Um, Sex T Rex, okay. Uh, I love that uh, name. That's a great name. Mm. Um, let me think. Uh, in Ottawa, there's like Grimprov has got uh, a, a really good thing going. I like that name, and it's kind of mm-hmm. a yeah, fun that's name. That's a good one. Uh, more, more, one of my sentimental favorites. So after the Pez family was defunct. We reformed as Moretti's kids, okay. and uh, Johnson Moretti. We were named after him. He was one of the founders of the Canadian Improv Games. Okay, uh, that all of us in that troupe had sort of been uh, raised and and initially trained in. And this guy was um, uh, monumental in our lives. Like if the Improv Games hadn't been around, I don't I don't know where I'd be right now. So yeah. uh, that was like in terms of like. Favorite names. I was absolutely one of yeah. Just uh, just connection. From a sentimental yeah. piece. Um, oh uh, oh, uh, oh with the hang from Montreal. Um, little little awkward. Darn it! I can't. I think a little awkward. Talk? That's Christina Mielberger's. That's cr- oh, and I like them too. Yeah, Christina. Uh, shout out to Christina. They're great. Uh, Ryan and Christina. Yeah, they do a very good job. Um, but no, there's a group out of Montreal. With uh, Anders Yates, and I'm trying to remember the name of their company, and I always love that one too. Anyway, I don't know. I'll remember later. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's a Sunday service out of Vancouver. That's also another really good one. What does that they, mean? So they do their shows on Sunday, and they all they kind of built like this whole religious sort of thing around it, and so their show was called the and the it's called the Sunday service. Okay, instead I, of going to church, was, go do yep, some improv. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Our own church. And, and so. We had just uh, kind of mentioned the theory or theory is what, yes and with the the main thing of improv. How often have you brought in things like that, things skills or things that you've done in improv into your real life? Like, are so, you are you saying yes to more things? It's yeah. Well, I, I think that the, the whole thing with yes and it, yes, it's ingrained in who I am. It's the idea that a challenge is presented instead of shying away from the challenge, you accept it. Mm-hmm. And then do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that that idea has absolutely pretty much guided me through everything in my life, from being a successful student eventually, 
to becoming a teacher and being a successful teacher and counselor to becoming, you know, the obvious of, of you know, um, an improviser, an actor, and even like as a parent and some of those big life things, mm-hmm. the idea that you can, um, that you, you accept what's before you and you move forward. That can be your own personal thing, but then that can also be from a team perspective too. I believe completely in the power of the group. Mm-hmm. I think you're stronger when you're together, you're weaker when you're alone. And that yes and is, is sort of a, a key tenant of that belief too, that I'm going to offer you something and I know that you're going to accept it and then offer me back something mm-hmm. and I'm going to accept that yeah. and we're going to keep going and we're going to, what we create is going to be magical yeah. and it still happens even like in an improv, like we're all like I, I just, the way my brain works, I always have an idea in my head of where the scene is going. Mm-hmm. I have a direction for it. But I also am extremely open to that whole thing getting blown out of the water. And sometimes some of the best scenes are the ones where that exact thing happens. Yeah. And you just ride with it. You accept it and go and you build off of it. And something even better than you initially thought ends up happening. But then I guess some other people don't do that. And then they swerve it somehow. They're like, oh, we actually went through this door. We went to my idea over here. Yes. And that's called blocking. (laughs) Yeah. And and those are like, that's very difficult. Yeah. To, to, um, to work with. And I've worked with some professionals that, that are just like bigger than life. And they believe that their idea is the best. And, but what ends up happening is that, um, you don't get a very good scene out of that. And some mm-hmm. of those folks are also people that sometimes, I mean, there's, there are individual uh, solo improvisers or people that perhaps solo improvisers. Yeah. You can do solo. Improv. What would that look like? Usually you are telling a story an improvised okay. story, yeah. uh, but you can also do something called ghosting. So you can play several characters at the same time on stage. <laughs> okay. It's really hard. It's, it's yeah. extremely hard to do. It takes a lot of focus and, yeah. and, um, uh, and just yeah it takes huh. a lot of practice to get to the point where you can pull that off in a yeah in a show format yeah like i've done solo stuff but never for 45 minutes to an hour yeah where uh, t- yeah i haven't seen it but i'm i'm a fan of uh, thomas middleditch thomas middleditch and ben schwartz they have a, a improv show together mm-hmm. where I, I believe they get like one suggestion off the front and then they do like an hour yeah. of that how difficult can that be? Where you're like, it's all based off of this first thing, and how do you how do you even go to an hour? I will to tell one you because I've done it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing that Crush Improv's ever done. We did a series at the Gladstone Theater in Ottawa mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, where we took um, a, f- a bunch of the plays that were going up in their season, mm-hmm. and we would do an improvised version of that play okay. on their set in full costume. Oh wow! And we would ask for usually one maybe two things okay at the top of the show yeah and then based on those things we would do an improvised version of that play that would last about an hour hour and 15 wow and it was awesome yeah partly because you're not like if you're doing um short form games Mm -hmm. they typically last about five minutes yeah and you're looking for quick quick jokes like boom you want to you want to get to the point pretty fast but when you use something like that, whether it's long, like traditional long form, let's say it's about 20, 25 minutes. Okay. 
or that where you can just let scenes develop you can really play mm-hmm. on character um and just let the story sort of naturally progress it's really really fun and really really cool okay yeah uh, i'd read that you um you so you teach improv to, to students right like you said i think 200 to 250 hours a year uh how, what do you how do you deal with someone who's having a, a tough time with it was struggling are you telling them just to watch more or to listen more or just like to accept more people's ideas or what are people like because i'm guessing people like they're having a tough time at coming up with things on the spot or they do go going in the same things like yeah what are, what are some depends. of your tips i i um like i've t- i've t- i've got thousands of hours of uh teaching and coaching kids um and there's a difference between them and then adults yeah. who have also taught lots Mm -hmm. um with kids it's easier because i think that they're still connected to that sense of play yeah even if they're teens it's not that far removed Mm -hmm. so to bridge that gap um is easier often with them it's getting them to slow down a little bit okay and one of my one of my mantras when i when i teach is to watch and listen yeah watch and listen watch and listen and then trust your instincts and react mm-hmm. um, with adults the the way I usually start uh, that sort of conversation if they're stuck mm-hmm. in that way is that we all improvise every single day and yeah. you can improvise okay. none of us live our lives on, off a script mm-hmm. um, and so what we're going to do now is I'm going to show you how to do what you do every day and put it on stage yeah. One of the other cool. tricks is not to try to be funny. Don't don't feel like you need to be funny. Don't feel like you need to go for a joke or look for a joke. Mm-hmm. Be in the moment. Play a character. Have a character and and trust that stuff will happen. Uh, that the suggestion in and of itself is going to make that scene weird, fun, funny, hopefully, and interesting. And work your way there. Okay. And then when you're teaching and someone's just learning, you celebrate those those successes. Mm-hmm. So they may not always be super funny at the beginning, but you celebrate the things that they do do right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as a, so yeah, you're part of Crush Improv, and I'm guessing everyone there also has a lot of the same like amount of years of experience as you. So how often are you guys? Do you still have to practice together to kind of still get I the... I am old man improv. I'm the oldest guy in there. Oh, okay. I Yeah, so they, they, we are, I think our youngest member is uh i think she is christine is now 30 31 um and then i'm 42 okay everyone else is somewhere in between the between that um we um we do we we try to jam at least once a month and that means play these games what we do in our jams is typically um uh, try new forms out, hmm. like new ways of okay. improvising. Um, so generally, we are looking at long form. We do hmm. a mix of uh, of short form and long form improv. Okay. Um, short form sometimes we'll try new games that we f- hear about, and we will um, we'll try that before a show. Sometimes we don't even bother; and we just do it in the show. But with long form, um, there will if it's a new format. Then we'll want to try it out, and uh, and we'll jam with that. So we'll just and we kind of play it out, see how it works, um, and and go from there. We've we've 
we've borrowed from other companies, but in, in the past, we've also created some of our own long forms as well. As a kid growing up, I, and I think most people I knew were big fans of whose line is anyways, but now I hear a lot of like hate online for it. Is, do you hear that sometimes from some groups sure. or people like, and what is it? What do they not like the games that they're doing I or the people think, themselves? I think that Twitter and Facebook and all of that uh, breeds Just negative, negative yeah. energy mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, as an improviser, uh, someone who's devoted, you know, more than half of my life to it. I think they're amazing. It's a very mm-hmm. particular kind of mm-hmm. uh, improv. Uh, perfect for television mm-hmm. because it's great little sound bites and stuff. Uh, Colin Mockery, Ryan Stiles, Greg Proops, uh, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. These are some of the best improvisers mm-hmm. in the world. I don't, and you could put them in any format, and they would clobber it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone who who denounces it, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's network television. Mm-hmm. And it's playing to the biggest possible audience that they can. Um, and they do a really good job at it. I, why people dislike it are probably the same people that hated Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And you're a big Star Wars I'm fan. a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah. yeah. You can speak the languages in Star Wars? I, I, uh, I can pretend I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know all time, the planets? Out. Yeah, I yes, probably no. still do. And at one time when I was younger, like I probably could even tell you like, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker's TIE Fighter's serial number was yeah. T1. Like, and I'm like, but I've kind of, that stuff has okay. been pushed out this of my brain. The facts like that. I So I really liked Mandalorian. I watched all of that, but I didn't watch the new movie because I felt like Mandalorian was good enough for me for my Star Wars kind of itch for the past year. Do you recommend me seeing that, like the new Star Wars one? Yeah, that one's still good. Still good. Did you see The Force I Awakens? Yeah, I saw and, the other two. Well, then you got to go for see some it. Reason. Okay. You gotta go see it. It's it it people. <laughs> this is an aside, but I feel very passionate about this, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah, but for sure. People like I grew up with it. I was born in '77. The very first movie I ever saw in the movie theater uh, was in 1979, and it was a double feature of New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, and wow. um, I. How old were you? Two and a half. I don't. I don't remember like i can't i have like a hazy remembering of it what? my mom and dad tell the story though of <laughs> okay. yeah oh yeah, yeah and i my, and my brother had a lot of the toys um my brother is seven years older so like like i remember being four and already having a bunch of old star wars toys but apparently i came home after watching that double feature and like basically told my mom scene by scene exactly what happened in both films. Okay, wow. Like I was hooked from an yeah. extremely young age. I don't ever remember not being a Star Wars fan. Wow. So I grew up with that, loved like I've gotten into <laughs> I've gotten into arguments with people about ranking the Star Wars films. Typically people will say Empire Strikes Back was the best film. Sure. It's awesome, mm-hmm. but I would argue it's also it's like it can also be kind of boring in large stretches of that film. Mm. Um, the whole Dagobah, Luke training, okay, yeah, uh, Le- Cloud City stuff. People forget it, those. It's boring. Like it's boring. <laughs> it's only so that movie, the Hoth battle scene at the beginning, super exciting. The uh, the the uh, lightsaber duel between Darth Vader and Luke at the end of the movie, 
great, except that movie's also fucking depressing at the end. Luke gets his hand chopped off, mm-hmm. and the Empire's winning. Yeah. Like they're, but awesome movie if you consider that it's like the middle of Where three. it is in, what it, in the trilogy. Yeah. So I would argue that Return of the Jedi was the best really? movie. Really? I yeah. feel like that's not very yeah, common it's opinion. Not because of the Ewoks and stuff like that. Yeah, but as a exactly. kid, I think that came out in... It was 84, I think, or 83. Anyway, so I was like seven, eight, prime time for that. Like the emotion that you felt when Darth Vader turned good and you think, well, you like you see the Emperor being chucked down the, the pit and the second Death Star is dead and Han and Leia look like they're getting, like it was like such a wonderful climax Okay, that series. So I love those movies. I hated the prequels, mm-hmm. episodes one, two, three. I don't like they're bad. They're, I, I keep trying. Oh, you really? Watch, oh, I just watched Attack of the Clones. Uh, sorry, Revenge of the Sith um, uh, the other day, and it was like, oh, my God, this is really bad. The dialogue is so terrible. But the last three movies I've really enjoyed, and this last okay. one for me caps the series off well. You know, I'm glad we talked about this because it has so I had much. I kind to of do a weird thing about. with Star Wars too, because as I grew up, I was a kid when those movies came out in theaters, and my uncle, the prequels? yes, uh, and my uncle took me out of school to go watch them. So I had an even extra, just kind of love of like I got to leave school for for this. I think it that's was, great, it was amazing. And I wouldn't begrudge anyone. Like I was older, right? So when those came out, I was. Uh, I'm not saying I like them now. Like looking back, I I agree. Sure. But at the time, like yeah, like yeah, they were like and that's just fine. so cool. And even if you, mm. did, and here's the other thing, I, I don't understand anyone who begrudges anyone who loves something. Like you, you <laughs> love spaceballs. What well, you're <laughs> idiot? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, but they they like it. Yeah. it doesn't matter if it, mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. or don't. Leave them alone. Yeah. And anyway, so people get offended by other people liking things. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! And if you, I, it's actually one of my massive pet peeves right now. Is you, I'll go on Twitter and I'll see people still uh, getting angry about the last star. It's it's a fucking movie, and you're you at least the way they're writing about it, they're still really angry. Like, get a life. Yeah, focus on something you like. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one thing I want to kind of go back to, you had said when you were younger, uh, when you were a teenager starting off um, with improv, you were doing a mix of sketch and improv. Uh, so then you also work on something called Eddie May Mysteries. Like it's yeah, a, yeah. a dinner theater, mystery murder, dinner theater. That is basically the same, right? It's a combination of you guys having sketches and then improvising with the, t- the tables. Or a how does that bit. work? Eddie May uh, evolved and changed a lot. When I first started with the company in 1999, um, it was, you'd get a script that was about six to 10 pages and you were doing a three hour show. So there were scripted parts. A lot of it was description too. It wasn't a lot of, uh, lines that you had to memorize. Okay. There might be specific moments that you had to. You're really finding your own characters. Totally. And your, okay. and, and your own jokes. Okay. And the guys and gals that I, that I was performing with, uh, were some of like, comedy royalty in Ottawa. Really? Uh, okay. A lot of them came from a um, uh, a group called uh, Skit Row. Okay. <laughs> and Skit Row was... Uh, this is going to be a little another history lesson here. Sure. Skit Row was the preeminent uh, comedy uh, company in Ottawa in the 1980s. 
they had their own club, the Penguin on Elgin. Okay. Uh, which I actually I think it's where Yuck Yucks is now. Oh really? Okay. Uh, or is it further down? It might be. I, I can't remember. But anyway, it was on Elgin Street. Uh, they did eight shows a week. Uh, they were a mix of improv and sketch. Okay, yeah. Uh, they uh, had their own CBC special. They sold out Southam Hall, so that's the opera in the National Arts Centre, okay. twice. Oh, okay, wow. They traveled across the country. They were also the runners-up to another group that ended up with their own series, Kids in the Hall. Okay. So it was between Skit Row and Kids in the Hall. Uh, on who got that 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 show? Slaw, yeah, wow. And that, but that's how good these guys yeah. are. And that's some of those guys were the ones that I ended up learning from. Cool. Uh, wow. and, and how you work an audience, how you breathe on stage, um, and by that I mean like you know landing a joke and then what you do with that joke and just not you know uh, getting too worked up about things that miss. Okay. Yeah. Um, comedy that works uh like the kinds of things that audiences want to hear those early years were heavy improv your your survival in that company was based on how well you did as a, as a performer and comedian. okay it was okay. survival of the fittest in fact uh, my so my first run was uh november december of 1999 uh and uh it was a show called the millennium murders and I, after that show, I was fired. Oh, okay. And I like I was in at that time. I was in theater school. I, you know, I uh, had gone to a national final in the Canadian Improv Games. I would worked professionally as an improviser and sketch comedian. Yeah, and wow. I thought I was king shit. Yeah, and you know, I guess I was what twenty, twenty two, and um, I got fired for and what? Because I, I wasn't good Did, enough. Oh. And I wasn't. Uh, Noel Council was the owner of the company and, and directed a lot of the shows. And he had a really blunt, hard conversation with me about, I need to get better. I was too small. I was, and I don't mean physically, but just characters were too small. I wasn't funny enough. I didn't have enough attack. I didn't have enough confidence. Okay. And he basically said, come back later when you're ready. Wow. And I got my second chance in the fall of 2000. So almost a, almost a year later, and when I did, I freaking I was ready. Yeah. And I like I was like a like a, a horse chomping at the bit to go. Like I and and I never looked back. Um, I studied harder. I was more prepared. I I worked harder to get the audience. Yeah. You know, on side. It sounds like a bomb. It sounds like you needed that to push yourself so much harder. Yeah. Exactly. And so th- that was the early years as the as the company continued to um, to move on, uh, it changed, and part of that had to do with the fact that Noel's stable of actors changed. He started hiring more and more uh, actors okay. at, versus improvisers, mm-hmm. and the scripts changed. Okay. And so, by the end, by the, I, I so I performed with the company for twelve years, and by the end of those twelve years, it was. You know, like forty-five page scripts. Okay. With you know one, two, maybe three song and dance numbers, okay. and very, very uh, tightly scripted thing, and it had to be. Um, I still would work in my own stuff. Uh, there was still very much, even with the forty-page script, there was always an improv element because there was audience work. 
you would you would go be out in the yeah. audience talking from table to table to table to table. Are audience members coming with their own backstory and trying to be getting involved? No, no, nobody's they, doing they that. They could if they wanted. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah. some people would. Okay, they didn't have to. Yeah, no, no, I, I, that's why I was wondering if anyone like just Sometimes. wanted to be an improviser and was like, this is where they were trying. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes, especially if they've been drinking. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely did. Yeah, but even just in terms they pull out of, their own gun and they shoot someone and they're fuck, like, now I'm oh the murderer. God, no, but seriously, there's been some like there was over the years. There were some pretty incredible things. That yeah, happened. yeah. We've had we had one time a um, a, a guy tackled uh, like the person who was supposed to be the the the, the, the criminal. The, the yeah, murderer, and he like tackled him. He was drunk and he <laughs> yeah. tackled him. And another actor had to jump in, like pull them off. Yeah, and, uh, I was threatened with uh, a knife once by a guy. He's like, oh, get the fuck! And this guy was a lawyer. Okay, uh, and because people are eating at these tables and they have yeah, these knives. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a sharp <laughs> steak knife. Is, you fucking get away from me! I'll fucking cut you. And okay, are you a lawyer? <laughs> I think I think that's illegal. Yeah. Um, actually, my very last show, and I have no no problem talking about this. Um, my very last show was a private show in Gananoque at a resort, and uh, it was for a certain religious. Uh, board of Education from okay. Ottawa, okay, uh, and all their principals, and they were the worst audience I have ever seen in my life. Ever drunk, rude, uh, dismissive. They made the fatal flaw of not telling their, like the organizers didn't tell the, the all the people there that th- there was going to be a murder mystery, okay, which they're not contractually supposed to do. But they didn't, and they were tired, and they didn't care. Uh, they were being really, really rude uh, in that show. It was actually um, it was a, a spoof off The Apprentice. So okay. I, I played Donald Trump oh, before really? Donald Trump was the Antichrist. <laughs> wow. And um, uh, so I actually, in that show, die early, but I'm not dead. I get to come back mm. later. And the shit that I was hearing from some of the actors as they were coming backstage was just hor- like from people telling them to straight up fuck off to... Um, am I? I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, I've like swore. <laughs> yeah. Um, to straight up fuck off to uh, like uh, one of our our um, female actors had her her butt grabbed. Um, when I finally came out, like uh, our Noel actually counsel was still there, and he's like, guys, if you don't want to finish the show, you don't have to finish the show. Mm-hmm. If they don't pay us. That's fine. You'll still get paid. Um, and we agreed. No, we'll go do it. But I went out, and instead of doing my scripted lines, mm-hmm. I just told them off. Like, you are a bunch of fucking disgraces. <laughs> and as I'm saying this, someone threw their fucking fork, and it just missed the front of my Whoa. face. Like, it like kind of did like this cartwheel in the air towards my face, kind of backed up. <laughs> and these were principals and vice principals. Yeah, that's insane. Of, like elementary and high schools here in Ottawa. It was crazy. That is a crazy. So you do get like that's not they weren't in character they were just like actually acting criminal but wow most people that you would work with in the audience wanted to have a good time yeah suspend their disbelief for a few hours and the amount of time I did doing like I did even though that wasn't pure improv the amount of hour like I I'm I think I worked it out a number of years ago I think I probably got over ten thousand hours wow yeah of stage time yeah just doing that. Wow, and it like priceless. That, yeah, priceless yeah. in terms of my development as a performer and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I just have one more kind of uh, recent uh, 
show of yours I want to talk about. You were on the Mitch and Mike live show where you yes. played Mitch's dad. Yes. <laughs> How did you get into character for that? How did you find that? You and Ashley Krashenko was that she was uh, Mike's mom, right? Yes, that's right. How did that? How did that turn out? <laughs> How did you guys come into Ashley those characters? and I have wanted to work together for quite some time. Okay. I think she has. I think she's very funny. I think she has the potential to also be a really good improviser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been trying to coax her into doing that. Okay. Um, so this was sort of meeting in the middle. Okay. Because there was some scripted moments in it. But this is really, that was, that stemmed from us wanting to work together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, uh, it was Ashley's idea to do a bit where we were their parents. Okay. Um, and then how, like I, I told her, I said, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to know what I'm going to say. Okay. She developed a slideshow that we did, and cool. and we kind of ripped off that. She knew in advance, but mm-hmm. um, I played uh, Mitch's dad um, in a in as sincere a fashion as I could. Okay, and uh, very sweet and vulgar, but not in a vulgar way. Like you know, like instead of saying cock, I'd said penis and things like that. And, <laughs> you know, I put my. Uh, I put my penis in your mother's vagina. That's what they call it, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. And then I inseminated her, <laughs> and just like talked like yeah, that, yeah. I, that made Ashley happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and yeah, it was just something fun and silly. Cool. Uh, that that uh, we did together. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool seeing. And so um, the yuck yuck stage, I find it, I like the size of it for stand up. I'm guessing for improv, it's the smallest stage you've been on, or. Um, like right usually you're on like bigger theater no type it's things, right? not yes no? yeah okay and we love the room to flex and move around but no it's not the smallest i think the no? smallest that i can remember was uh uh in wakefield in quebec okay. and we did a lehibu and it was t- like honestly i'm gonna say it was like one foot depth and three feet wide like there was no space when we perform at yuck yucks we actually we we alter that stage oh okay Okay. i I couldn't remember it gets pushed out from the wall okay so there's actually about a foot and a half oh uh, between the stage and the wall so we can move behind it okay yeah that's good and uh and then a little bit um and a little bit more room on the sides. Okay. Than maybe the normal. The, yeah. Because yeah, well, it's nicer to sometimes to have like a front row to talk to if you're doing. We still have. Oh, that, I guess you're doing the same kind of thing. But yeah. it's just wider just on the wings. More room for you guys to kind of yeah. do. Yeah. More. So things. that we're not all on stage at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. This has been awesome talking. So I have a way that I end the podcast Ooh. is I have five different options for you, and so here are the titles of them. I'm not going to describe them. If you could tell me which one of these you like to do, I'll tell you what that means. Jesus, that's uh, wow! They're all so good. Um, I, let's do um, be in the now. Okay. I don't know if I like cool. that choice though. If um, I don't like it, can I do another? One? Uh, y- I guess. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. what, well, let's um, so this one is this is a book that I'm reading. It's called huh? The Power of Now. Yes. And so I'm going to go to a spot that I'm at, and yes. then if you could just read the passage, and we'll see how long it is, and that'll be. I just read from the book. Yeah, and then all we right. can talk about whatever it says. Okay. Ryan is uh, opening the book right now. Oh. Uh, he's turned to a page. He's found a page. This one at the... So this is called The Art of Listening. The Art of Listening. Okay. So just... The uh, bottom part there the and then the other part. page. Okay. So the whole th- that whole section? Yeah. The Art of Listening. When listening to another person, don't just listen with your mind. Listen with your whole body. Feel the energy field of your inner body as you listen. That takes attention away from thinking and creates a still space that enables you to truly listen without the mind interfering. 
You're giving the other person space, space to be. It is the most precious gift you can give. Most people don't know how to listen because the major part of their attention is taken up by thinking. They pay more attention to that than to what the other person is saying and none at all to what really matters. The being of the other person underneath the words and the mind. Of course, you cannot feel someone's else's, someone else's being except through your own. This is the beginning of the realization of oneness, which is love. At the deepest level of being, you are one with all that is. Most human relationships consist mainly of minds interacting with each other, not of human beings communicating, being in communion. No relationship can thrive in that way, and that is why there is so much conflict in relationships. When the mind is running your life, conflict, strife, and problems are inevitable. Being in touch with your inner body creates a clear space of no mind within which the relationship can flower. Okay. Wow. Well read. Thank well, you. Thank you. What do you think of that? That kind of was kind of a well, funny. Well, that's kind of creepy and weird, Ryan. <laughs> I think you planned that. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> so I just had delivered to me another uh, Ashton uh, Brown Ale because our server is in communion with me. She read my needs. Uh, we're in Simpatico. She's quite lovely. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's creepy because that's like kind of like what I was talking yeah. about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And about the watching and listening. Yeah. Um, I'd add to that that sort of dovetails what I just read there. The uh, concept of taking a breath before you respond. So when... Um, and this is not just an improv thing. This is a good just human thing relationship life, thing. Yeah. But when someone finishes talking, you take a breath, you breathe, and then you respond. And you try to be open to that uh, moment and being in the moment and not having that predetermined conversation you want to have with that mm-hmm. person. Waiting yeah. to speak. Yeah, which maybe hard. I was just doing my thing. Well, I we don't all know. do it. Yeah. I do it too. I do it on stage yeah. still. Um, but we try not to. Mm-hmm. And we try to, yeah, and and uh, that's a great book. I'll have to get that title off of you after because that's bang on. Yeah. Um, and doing the work that 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 uh, I do my daytime job that is it like it's being open listening and then just uh, mm-hmm. uh, responding in the moment. it's called the power of now and uh, I had heard it recommended by several comedians stand-ups are just being in the moment and so yeah this could be used for yeah, so many different things let's and um, yeah so cool let's do one more can we do death row because I yeah. almost went with death row and I felt yeah like, okay, yeah for I sure one more. it's funny um, of the five people of this series yes. four of them picked Death Row. Yeah. That's the only thing they did. And then Christina Muehlberger, who was like, Death Row? No way. She's the only one that didn't. It's, oh. a, you, it's cool to see so you pick. What did she pick? Um, I don't even remember. I forget the, well, the options. Christina is uh, a, uh, like the next evolution of humankind. She's a better person. She picked Elvis. Dumb Note. Well, I take that back. <laughs> Bad choice by Christina. <laughs> uh, so Death Row is, you're on Death Row. Yes. And... What is your final meal? Easy. You can have anything you want on a big, pretty Easy. big plate. Easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with a prime rib. Okay. And uh, with um, uh, roasted potatoes mm-hmm. and uh, some au jus. And I will take as well 
uh, some like steamed green beans. Okay, and what are you drinking with that? Uh, a really good red wine. Um, I'm going to go with, um, oh, what would be good? Uh, like a good, like, cab sove red what? wine. What? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anything for dessert? Uh, yep. I'm going with a salted uh, caramel tart. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's death row. Yeah. Again, that's that. Oh, I'm glad I didn't y- pick that yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all that one and is. All the other comedians. What were you thinking? The they just. So yeah. much better. And what was the one that Christina took? Dumb notes. What the, okay. What's and that? So uh, we just read our notes app. We just kind of go back and forth reading our different notes that we have on our phone. Oh. Just finding interesting things. If you'd like to do that one, Let's we can just go through all Let's of them. go through all of them. <laughs> yeah. This, this doesn't normally happen. Yeah. Ryan, I don't get into the house very much. Okay. So I've got two kids at home and they rule my life. Okay. Uh, I've got Christmas uh, list ideas for me. Christmas list? Like my what I wanted for Christmas. Oh, the past one, not the next one. Yeah, like okay. last year. So Oban, which is a scotch, um, a wine or food pairing experience. Okay. A cast iron skillet, which I got. Pajamas, which I got. Uh, a French uh, press coffee maker, which I've been asking for for about 15 years okay. and have yet to get. And uh, this one, uh, wireless Apple AirPods, which uh, my wife did almost get for me. Mm-hmm. And then like, she was like, are you sure you want that? I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, like, but they're like $200. So I'm like, oh, forget that. Fuck it. Really? I, I did not realize yeah, all those people stupid. I'm seeing. Oh, oh and um, I did get this one as well. And this was awesome. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History Podcast. I've his, heard about His it. original, his, sorry, his first 50 episodes which only costs like 50 bucks um i got that and he's one of my top uh podcasts that i listen to i love him so okay yeah i've heard note? i've heard that i haven't listened to it but i know a lot of people that that love it uh i did have one note i wrote today it just says bread pit instead of brad pit <laughs> yes that's all i have for that like i just is, it, is this a bit it. that you're, you're uh i up? think it might be a good character like a bread-based character <laughs> i'm not sure exactly. i would like you to explore the concept of opening up a chain yeah a franchise of it's called like a bread pit and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah and it would be good if the fight club oh oh <laughs> yeah yeah that's great <laughs> yeah, yeah someone like that um what else do i have here i have uh oh this could be interesting okay <laughs> oh no that's a password i can't read that okay <laughs> yeah um I have, that's a list of names. Pizza. Okay, I have a list of, why the hell do I, some of the notes that I have here don't make any sense. That makes sense, though. Oh, it's this, Kiwi Gardens, Perth, Father's Day. Kiwi Gardens. Fuck, I have (laughs) no What time was that written at? Are some things like in the middle of the night and you just have no That was written on August 16th, 2019 at 10.50 a.m. So I was probably drunk. I was probably very drunk. Okay. I have one here that's uh, two different or several movie titles. So I've got Between Two Ferns, the movie, yes. and then Between Two Ferns, the movie Two Ferns. That'd be the sequel. <laughs> and then I kind of followed that up with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then the sequel would be Twice Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And so I'm trying to think of I don't, that's all I have other for ones? now, but maybe like, other things that are like just based off the title of it, coming up with sequels that have the title in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to think of more of those. Okay, I like that. 
I, what was the first one again? It was Between Between Two, two ferns, ferns, the movie, and then the and sequel would be Between Two Ferns, the movie, Two Ferns. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Let's see. Hold yeah, that's structural disassociation. Kathy Steele, Suzette Boone, Otto Otto Vanden Derhart. What on earth? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe these are people that wrote a book. I have no idea. Walkie clocky. That's another word for a watch. Walkie clocky. Um, uh, time wheel. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, illusion device. Because time, Ryan, is an illusion. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Did yeah. you know this? This is actually a real thing that I. There's a show called Fabric of the. It's a Fabric of the Cosmos, and um, physicists have determined right that we know that, like for example, if you think about the the stars that we see at night, mm -hmm. that's old light. Yes. Like that that came from that planet mm -hmm. millions of years ago. Mm -hmm. So what's happened to that star? It may not be there. Anymore. Yeah. So they did sort of a, a thought experiment where if you had two planets that were, uh, I'm going to say a number that, and, and it might not be exactly right, but let's say they're 10 million light years apart. Um, and on Earth, you are sitting on a park bench. On the alien planet, you have uh, this alien on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. And when he starts to bike towards you on the park bench, so he's, he starts biking in the same direction that you are, that event would happen 200 years in our future. But that same alien turns his bike around and starts to bike away. That would have happened 200 years in our past because he's okay. going further away. Okay. Oh, wow. So when he goes closer, it moves further up. and when it, So the whole point of that is that time isn't real. Like it's not something actually yeah. that exists and the other sort of um imagery that they created is that time we think of time as this flowing river it has a source and it flows out toward uh, but that's not accurate what it actually is it's like a frozen river and our consciousness our concept of time is our consciousness sort of going along the course of that river but that doesn't actually mean that the river is flowing it's just we we, that's how perceive we it perceive it. So everything that has happened will happen again. Everything that um, um, uh, that will happen is 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 has happened before. It's it's yeah. It's kind of and I find a lot of peace in that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Well, speaking of time, this has been a great time, and I appreciate yes. you so much. Well, for you don't want to go through podcast. my my grocery list. Uh, no, like that? I'm sorry okay, about that. But yeah, thank you for coming on, and uh, I. Hope to definitely see one of your shows soon. Yeah, I hope that you come out. That was great. I, I absolutely will. That was great. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye.